comes out. Trying my level best. Your level. Hey, did you? Did Get you? It? Yeah, got it. Did you know your audio actually was quite good, even though you weren't talking to the mic? These fucking mics aren't that important. The microphone is very important. Very important. Very important. All right. Are we ready to go? Yes, Paul. I do believe that we are ready to go. <laughs> Hello there. Welcome to episode three. three. I'm holding three fingers up. That's the visual joke. Yeah, that's the... Okay. Three fingers up because it's episode three of the Atkins Labcast. Yep. So who's our guest this time? Bobby Hendry. Bobby Hendry, isn't it? The lovely Bobby Hendry. Yes. Who... Saved me and my sanity when I went to Gosford. Oh, that's right. You met her first on your road trip of death. Road trip? <laughs> that's not how I referred to it in the marketing. <laughs> no, but it ended up feeling like the road trip of no, death. No, it was it? just a long, fucking long time. It was like six weeks on the road. and Anyway. It literally was no six No one told me that Gosford is not a place that a lot don't of people be, have a lot of weddings in. And it was like... In a region where there's a lot of weddings, but not like the actual town itself. And I stayed in the most terrifying, terrifying hotel I've ever stayed in. Okay, let's stop being let's stop horrifying. being rude about, about a whole town or a hotel. I'm not being rude about a whole. Yeah, we I, had I can, the best I, cafe, the best like I restaurant. Can, I thing, can smell it coming. And she shut up. And Bobby rocked up, and she was fantastic and lovely and sweary, and yeah. she was. She was glorious. She she really is, and you'll see or you'll and hear. And she took that beautiful photo of us. Yeah, yeah, that one that's on our profile or whatever, a celebration. Somewhere, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's everywhere at the moment. Yeah, there's something about her. She's very connected to her subjects. She is is very open and ready to engage. I think it's come from a pretty tricky life, which will a little bit will be revealed yeah. in the thing. There's also a link in the show notes to an article uh, or a project she did with the ABC, well, not with the ABC, but it was interviewed on the ABC, um, 16 foster families and 38 homes yeah. before she was 15. See, so I think we need a second podcast, which is where I take the guest and I don't talk about photography because, like, that's your thing because I'm not a photographer. You stop looking at your fucking laptop and Hang look on. at me. This Look the, at me! I'm podcast. your wife. This is the you can't keep yeah, making new podcasts. Yeah, but you have podcasts. to. You, but you just can't keep looking at your bloody laptop. Look at me! It's called active listening. You fuckhead. Okay, listen actively. No, not your fucking head. Right, thank you. So what I'm thinking is, we do another podcast, which is that I then take the person we interviewed like through a therapy session. So I this like. This is going to be all about you, though, darling. Yeah, no, 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 no. I will use my decades in therapy. To like have like a really different conversation that has nothing to do with photography, and okay. no one will listen to it. But it'll be really fun. And I, oh god, I would so do that. I would so do that. That would be so much fun. So next, and then we could bring my shrink on, what? Like just for a brief like ten minute window at the end where she could go, okay, everything you said is shit. Don't do any of it. <laughs> so let's get back to the. Oh, market. he's got a Tell list. Me. No, he's got a fucking list, people. He's all organized. Tell me about. <laughs> What what is it? It's like um uh, mid April, early April. It oh. is the day after our wedding anniversary. Our which anniversary? Wedding twentieth wedding anniversary. Twentieth wedding. Eighth of April two thousand. So, so this is not about us. This podcast is it? What do you mean? Uh, no, <laughs> but I thought we'd tell everybody how we met. Oh, okay, go for it. Okay, so yeah, that's nice. So partly relevant, but you know whatever. Oh fuck. Okay, so how did we meet? I, what did 
I do. Oh, Wait, that's right. I needed to get... You were trying to get into a degree. I was trying uh, to get into my graphic design degree and I needed yeah. to shoot my portfolio. Yes. And... Um, we're talking 1995 here. No, no, no. Four. Oh, sorry. No, five? No, no, 95. That's when we first... Okay, yeah, yeah. whatever. Anyway, so and um, I had to shoot my portfolio to get into graphics and I shot it and it was all yellow because I didn't know what tungsten was. And I came so in she was Janet shooting under tungsten, regular light globes. On which film. With regular film shows up really yellow because there's no white film. balance. You have to use a different kind of film, right? That's right. And then I came in and Janet said, oh, you have to use this different film. So I used a different film and then... And, and, like, I was like, where do I go, Dad? I asked my dad. And Dad was like, oh, you should, you know, you could go to Atkins, but they're really expensive. <laughs> he did not. He did. And then, um, and then I went, uh, after I did that, I was designing my website because I was early adopter on the website of things. Frames, people. I bought frames to Australia. Hey, tell you what, if you really want to go to the Wayback Machine and look at how bad our website was you back then. You just shut your face. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Anyway. Wayback and Machine. So I'm then, writing that down as a yeah, show note. Great. And then I, what did I do then? I then Way came in and back. said I needed my transparencies that I got into uni with scanned in so I could put it on my portfolio website. Yes. And Janet went, oh, well. You need to speak to Paul Atkins then. And I said, okay. And then Paul Atkins trotted around the other <laughs> side of the bench and he was all with his big blue eyes. And so basically, smiley, we met here at the smiley lab. man. We did. And you're a customer. I was a customer. Yeah. Yep. Was and a then customer. what was my pickup line? And your pickup line was to email me photos of your dog. <laughs> Hang on, that wasn't the pickup line. Yeah, no, your boat. You had a no, but that wasn't the pickup line. Yeah, you had a wooden boat, and I was like, "Oh my god, he has a wooden boat." And then you were like, "Oh, I think I need a website." So, like, could we have lunch and talk about the website? Because I was too scary to actually. And that was ask out face to face. You had to fucking email me. Sure, but that the (laughs) fourth, the fourth of April, two thousand nineteen ninety five was our first date anniversary. We went out to lunch, and that was that's the story, right? Oh, it was God, lovely. It was so fantastic. Romantic. And then we got married. And then Simon Casson shot our wedding. Simon, and did all on film. All 1,200 on film. shots. 1,200 shots. Um, wonderful wedding photographer. Gorgeous infrared. The infrareds were so yeah. yummy. Very special stuff. So yes. um, that's all up on Facebook if you could be interested. We're interested, Our Facebook. What, what, what's up on Facebook? I put the, some wedding photos up there this week. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And everybody's yeah. liked them. The overshare machine. I don't Look, I love an overshare, but I hate Facebook. And I'm never there. Okay. So tell us what's going good in the photography world because you know, <laughs> is this on your list? It honey? is. It is because because <laughs> I'm trying to keep it. It's now okay. seven minutes and ten minutes. Oh, there's fuck. a there's a lockdown and a lot of people aren't doing anything. But yeah. I visited. So customer. they've got time to listen to us. I yuck. visited. I delivered a job to a customer because the courier service was so going to trash this giant order she had. Uh, Jade Phillip up and um, the. Uh, Adelaide Hills. Yep. And I ran it up there and she was out in the street with her kids and they're all beautifully distanced between one another. But the ha- the street was a cul-de-sac. It was so packed full of kids. There was chalk all over the road. It was just amazing. And she'd been out doing porch portraits. Maybe not that day, but she'd done it for everyone in the street. And I thought it was such a killer thing. And I know it's not new. Everyone's been talking about it. But there's got to be a thing in that. I, I mean, I like where I live and I know a lot of people are pretty proud of their house, even if they're renting or whatever. Getting the family on the on the couch and shooting them from the front fence. Oh, is that what she's doing? That's what it is. Yeah, ah, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't. She hasn't done it as a business. I don't think she's probably done it as a project. But man, 
What an That's awesome, idea. lovely idea to do, just to get your neighbourhood and and to do that. It's a way to sort of connect everybody. And I'm sure there is an opportunity in there. But yeah. also, I heard another bit of good news from a oh, look from a little list of. I've good got a news. list. Looks tick. And um, I'll come in with the shit news at the end. No, you won't. So will. Um, so this is a customer. I won't mention the industry or who they are, but um, they uh, they're still operating and their industry still operating, even though no one goes along to see the events. Right? So their industry that they shoot for. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, an event industry, but the events are still happening. But no public can go along. The events are still happening. So what they found is if they went and they were photographing like normal and behaving like normal. The business was no nothing was happening because the 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 people that will buy the stuff weren't there. So what they were doing is they immediately uh, emailed proofs of the images that they were taking to the people, knowing that they're probably sitting around the television or whatever, watching, listening to the event. Um, and because they're sitting kind of a trapped audience at home, their sales have basically doubled. Uh, so, but do you think it's because they've got a trapped audience or because their turnaround time is different now? I think the turnaround time is everything. The fact that they've got the product in their hands whilst the people are still excited about the event. Yeah, yeah. So that's a real challenge for for anyone. Because I mean, that's many- one of the things that I talk to photographers about when I go on tour is like look at, you know, people who don't have – who don't sell a lot of albums, for example. I'll say, you know, why don't you um, do the – get all your images ready ready for people to look at and then um, mock up an album. Because let's face it, you can mock up an album. It doesn't take that long. You go into like smart, smart albums album, yeah. and just throw it all in there yeah. and mock it up and then send your clients a link to the album at the same time as they get their proofs. Because if that's the first t- – so my theory is it's so expensive to get a photographer, uh, to get a client to pay attention to you, Right that the most, the highest level of interest that they have in you as a photographer is when they're going to see their photographs. So that is the point at which you want to hit them with all the feels and give me all your fucking money, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where I would say you send them at the same time a link to their to their um, uh, album and say, look, I've designed an album. I know you guys said you weren't interested, but it's such a beautiful wedding I couldn't stand or a beautiful shoot or whatever. And you mock it up and you say, look, I've sent it. Here it is. If you want it, I'll give you 10% off if you sign up this week for it. Whatever. However you want to swing it from a marketing perspective. But getting in while they're like hot and heavy and still love yeah, you I think is so critical to actually making the sale, I I think. Yeah. And certainly the clients that I know that do this um, have said that it's really, really helped. Well, there's, there's three drivers to any business. And everyone always thinks, you know, loosely, you think financially there is um, – what your what your prices are, what it costs you to do it. Everyone thinks that's it, but it's not. It's actually the third thing is how often you can turn that around. So how many times you can you know have a transaction. So you could actually have a low margin but more transactions and have the same result at the end, or fewer transactions and higher margin. Right. Mm. So this is about speed. You're to, but you're to, you're saying that in a in a client. Number of clients basis. Possibly. or, or Not number of contacts with clients. No, that's right. So this is a slightly different thing we're talking about. But I think one of the things people should consider is other ways of getting that information to their potential clients. And we've all, you know, all of us, us included, have got a history with our clients. You know, we've got 80-odd years of clients. I've got a database that goes back certainly to the early 90s. If you think about the clients that have visited you in the last few years, they understand who you are. You are still the same person. You delivered a good product to them. You've sold all that side to them. There are so much opportunities for marketing a back catalogue 
And this is where yeah. people like pick time and shoot well, proof. And, and I think a lot of, or I don't know, I've seen a lot of people coming to us and saying, I'm about to do a big blast out to all my clients who didn't order an album or didn't order a print or whatever and say, hey, what do you want to do? Yeah, Let's yeah. do something. And that I think is a smart idea, especially if you're a shoot and burner who hasn't done a lot of work before and you can go back to those people because I think people, as I've been saying, is like I think people have like so much emotion in them at the moment and everybody's so kind of – stressed out and anxious and we're not sleeping properly and we're binging on all the fucking carbs. But, you know, like we're doing all that stuff and we and like I miss my family so much, my mum and my sister and then my nephews. And, you know, I can't see any of my extended family or any of my friends or anything else. So I think the ability to harness that emotional energy and turn it into sales, as viciously commercial as that sounds, is actually really opportune and people can really do something with that if they do it carefully and gently and not and not sound like the monster that I sounded like just then. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing we should do before we hop into the Bobby interview is just mention, um, you know, there was a, a several art movements that were not so much art movements but um, like I suppose uh, art responses to crisis in the past and, um, you know, Art in the time of the plague was some incredible work came out in that time. Uh, and certainly with the Spanish flu, some incredible work and incredible artists were inspired and spurned on by it. And we've noticed that there are some projects going on. I think it's finished now, but the UN, the World Health Organization. Yeah, they did. It finished yet. It finished today. Or the 8th, I think. Or the 9th, 9th of, April. of April. But probably But they're doing a call for artists around, well, beating COVID 19. Yeah. But I, don't, I, I think, you know, that's one thing. And that's a kind of positive thing, but there's so much more to be drawn of how you feel for it. And I think people working with a camera, um, we've got a unique way of seeing the world and everyone has the unique experience. And, you know, in fact, I've, most of the people I've actually spoken of are having quite an upbeat time right now. Yeah. But so can I get on my high horse yet? No. Oh, fuck you. Come on. Can I, I want to hop around on my high horse. Are you going to be kind? Yes. <laughs> okay, go for it. And look, so, it's 14 minutes and oh, 15 shut minutes. Shut up. So here's my problem. We are all – so I'm wearing – if you can't see because no one's watching the video, but I'm wearing – Can you say this to after? To shut after. up. No. Oh, what? No. I'm a, why should I say – okay, fine. I'll save it till after. The last thing what I want to mention – Don't tell me to be quiet. The last thing I was going to mention before we bring in Bobby is um, besides um, that uh, – Besides the fact that Bobby does a thing, which you'll hear later in this – in this episode, if you listen all the way through to the end, which you fucking well should, you should listen all the way through to the end and then rate and share and subscribe and review. Um, but, but, but no, no, no. But what Bobby does that I love is she does something with penises, images of penises. Yeah, she doesn't. She. <laughs> and, and that's also what I'm going to say. Take take note of it. Take note of it. Take note of a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. But when she when she she told me that she did that when I was in Gosford with her, and I may have laughed until I might have weed my pants just a little bit. Really? Do we yeah. need to know that? Mm, well, you know, I've had you. What are you going to do? Cool. Well, um. Is that it? You got yeah, your little no, fucking no, list now. You're now. like, no, look, we're at 16 minutes set. This man is the follower of fucking rules like you would not believe. Let's, let's, let's listen to look Bob. Look at you. You can't handle let's it, can you? Let's listen what to What if I just keep going and going? What are you going to do then? You know what? I can press <laughs> a stop recording. <laughs> Enjoy the interview. So, hello, everybody. I'm on the call here with Bobby Hendry. And I met Bobby 
uh, on the side of a mountain. Good old volcano. <laughs> on the side of a volcano, which is kind of, I, I don't want this podcast to be about everyone I met on the mountain. Um, but the fact is, it was one of those moments where I just went, oh shit, there's a whole world out there. And I'm so used to our little world of Australia and Adelaide and AIPP and all the stuff that has has made my my life and business. And it was so wonderful to be exposed to a bunch of people at once with different thinking. And but they're all in the same industry doing similar things in some way. But you know, the the one of the first people I thought of that I wanted to speak with was you, Bobby, because you're so fresh to the industry. You got such a fantastic smile. You're so fresh to the industry, and you, you know, you brought so much light to our, our little group up there. I mean, it was a pretty amazing group, a wild mix of people. So good. It really was so cool. But you know, you were there, helping everybody, sort of leading ideas, bringing things to the party, full of excellent, exciting stories and tales. And um, and since then, I've had a great look at your instagram feed and your website and i just love what you're doing it's really cool um so we had to do this right we have we had to talk we had to talk so my my thing my thing about this podcast is why photography and what what's bobby got about photography why is she interested in photography what started you where did it all begin for you bobby so i was always interested in like photography i think always liked how things looked and the idea of being able to capture things. But I didn't get my first camera till I was 12. And I got it on Christmas Day. And then Boxing Day, um, the family I was with went to Dreamworld. And I put it in like the little box and we went up the Tower of Terror. And as I'm getting pulled up the Tower of Terror, I see this guy rifling through my bag and run off with my camera. So, I mean, it was definitely a Tower of Terror. I was very, I never thought I'd cry on a roller coaster, but I did. Um, so yeah, that was my first ever camera. And then I didn't get one until I was, um, like I had a film camera, but was never really good at using it. But then I was 18, finally got a, like, you know, a job that paid some money, had exactly enough to buy this camera I wanted, went to like camera house, bought it, and then had a friend message me, like, you know, I posted on my Instagram, like, Hey, I got a camera. This is cool. And a friend messaged me saying, Hey, the photographer for the music festival I'm covering, um, has just dropped out. Do you want to come? And, like, it was, like, three days later or something. I was like, yeah, cool. Like, why, why the fuck not? Um, this is easy. I had, like, one SD card and one battery. It was a three-day festival. I think I shot the whole thing on JPEG. I had no idea what I was doing. But I had heaps of fun getting amongst people and just taking photos of everything that was going on. And, like, it was the best time, like, you know, eating, like, food with other really cool, like, cool musicians and just hanging out with, like, just weird people. Like, so you had a backstage pass, did you? You, you yeah. had, like, an all-access. Oh, yeah. Like, I got to – I was climbing the scaffolding on the stage to get photos. Like, it was fun. It was an awesome first taste of photography. And then, you know, like, the photos actually turned out okay, considering that I had literally no clue what I was doing. So and how then, long ago was this? This was – the first ever Lost Paradise. I don't know what year that was. Maybe like 2013, 14. Okay. Yeah, it was after I'd finished high school. Um, so I'm, I'm quite a baby. But yeah, so then... The oh, hang photo- on, hang on, hang on. You're quite a baby. How, how old are you? You do look I, young, but... I'm 24 and three quarters. Okay, so that's cool. You're, you're growing up. I'm growing up. I'm, you're growing up. You're all good. I was born after Lion King. So yeah, I mean... <laughs> ALK, after Lion King. Yeah, after Lion King. I think that's how you should date things now. But yeah, like it was a really fun time. I had like fun hanging out with people, getting to know people and just capturing just all the weird stuff different groups of people got up to. 
and then delivered the photos to the magazine. It got like a 20-page spread. I was like, cool, like this is kind of been too bad. And then it wasn't long after that where I had a friend. Hey, what magazine was it, by the way? Uh, it was a local one. I think it was called Coast, like a Central Coast magazine. Yep. So, you know, it's Central Coast Festival. So um, you're Central Coast now. You're, you're, yeah. You are? I'm Central Coast based now. So, you know, Tuoi, place so nice, they named it twice. Um, <laughs> it's a great little place. If anyone knows Woiwoi, they know it's the Mount Druid of the Central Coast. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you should know Mount Druid. But, yeah, no, it was, yeah, just a nice little local thing. Um, and then, I, yeah, I had a friend call me, like, not long after that, saying, you know, I posted some photos on my Instagram saying that their photographer had just bailed on them for their wedding and, like, could I cover it? And I was like, again, like, yeah, why the fuck not? Like, sure. I'd never even attended a wedding at this point. Ever. Can you hear all the photographers going, oh, my God, she's going to shoot a wedding. <laughs> what do you mean? And all she's done is climb some scaffold. Boring, like, but, you know, these, these guys knew, like, they were friends of mine. They knew what they were getting. I don't think, like, they didn't have much budget. I think I got $500 in a meal. Um, but, you know, like, they were just, like, they just wanted a photographer to cover their day. Um, and, yeah, you know, took photos of it. Everything went fine. You know, I was actually really, like, happy with them. I looked at them and I was like, oh, yeah, like, these aren't shit. This is cool. And they were stoked. They were so happy. And they are like still one of my favorite couples. Like they comment and like every single thing I post. Like they are dead set legends. And then after I shot that wedding, I moved to New Zealand. Um, what? Just to actually, yeah, I lived on, I lived on uh, rural Pegu. I lived on the Whakapapa side. Which, yeah, really? It's, yeah. It's so cool. that's where you picked up snowboarding. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I lived there for a season just to snowboard. Um, you know, I'd been working at this day job that I hated and couldn't work out how to quit, so I thought just moving a country might help. Um, <laughs> and I was actually dating the boss's son at the time, so it made it really easy to quit. I was like, hey, walked into the lounge room, hey, Fran, um, I quit, and I'm taking your son to New Zealand. Like, <laughs> can this be my two weeks' notice? And what a like, mess. And I was like, can it be two weeks? She's like, yeah, why not? So, yeah, went to New Zealand, had fun, came back and had – people messaging me being like, oh, you shot my friend's wedding, like Paige and Caleb's, can you shoot mine? And I just remember being like, oh, um, yeah, okay, why, why not? Like, I like money, this sounds great. And at the same time that that happened, I was getting, you know, like I think I had four or five people messaging me about it. Uh, my partner at the time shattered his elbow and, I, like, the surgery was really expensive. So I was like, all right, let's, like, let's actually start a business of this thing. Let's actually do photography so I can pay for this elbow which, I mean, now I'm realising now that we're not together anymore, like that was a waste of a lot of money, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> it was a good thing you did. I mean, he has a working elbow now for the rest of his life. So maybe every time he, you know, like writes with a pen, he'll remember, you know, the sacrifice I made. So, yeah, so I just decided to, you know, like just go all in. You know, I was a graphic designer by day, so, you know. Okay, so is this the job you didn't like? Yeah, well, I was graphic, I didn't, I mean, I liked it, but just the place I was working at, there were okay. just some things I was like. Now, I'm a pretty picky person and, you know, nine to five, actually it's eight to five. That's a lot of hours of your life. You've got to be happy. And I was commuting to Sydney, so that was like four hours a day on the train with like smelly people. It just wasn't a time, wasn't a time. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to shake things up. I was like, I'm young. It's time to be a little bit irresponsible because, you know, I might not get a chance again. But now I'm realising you kind of can just be irresponsible as much as you want. It's really great. But, yes, and then just kind of dove into photography. Still kind of had, I got another day job. Um, that I really liked with some really awesome people. And that was, you know, I could walk to it. It was like 800 metres from my house. I mean, I could walk. Most of the time I did drive, but it was within walking distance. So that helped. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of, you know, shot weddings, edited them, just kind of learned by doing, I guess. I've always been a learn by doing sort of person. Like I always struggled in class. Like 
when the teacher's just telling you what to do. And I struggled at uni when I was studying graphic design. And then I managed to get a scholarship to a college that was like super hands-on. It was like a three-year degree in three months. Like, yeah, just crazy hands-on learning all the programs in a day. So I found like that's how I actually like, you know, learn things is by doing. And I don't know, I don't, I don't feel, like I never felt the pressure of shooting someone's wedding. Like I know it's a huge important thing, but I feel like with pressure and, you know, I know like when they don't have huge expectations, it kind of helps. But I just kind of like to go with the flow and, you know, see how things go. So I never put too much pressure on things and just kind of, I don't know, maybe I thrive under, you know, like harder situations. Cause well, I really, how, how many weddings have you shot so far? I have no idea. Hey, not like, not heaps. Yeah, probably be over 30, under 50. Okay. Oh, no, maybe about 50, probably close to 50. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. My cat wants to be let out of the office. That's all right. Bring the cat in. I'm I'm allergic, but I'm sure Skype will sort. Oh no, he, he's a, he's he's being a bit of a brat today. So just kind of, I'm glad he was behaving. I was just sitting in the corner licking his balls before, which was great. Um, so if you hear any, <laughs> well, he's noise, a bloke. You know, they can get away with that shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, I love him. He's my son, but he's basically a housemate. We just kind of coexist. He does his thing. I do mine. Sometimes we meet in the middle, so yeah, he's he's quite a good dude. He's all I'll be taking photos of for a little while, I think. Oh um, well, that's what we're all going to be doing, you know, like yeah. cat yeah. photos. Yeah, Someone's got to replace that stock of cat photos on the internet. Honestly, and he's a weird dude. Like he is super odd. I got him off Gumtree like two years ago, and the chick was just like, "He's too needy. Someone take him." I was like, "Yes, I'll have him." And now he like jumps in the shower with me and like comes for drives and just he's obsessed with being near me. Like he's a weird dude. Wow. Love, love so tell so. Tell me, this like this ability to hop up and turn your life upside down and do something different and go like that's that's a rare skill and and like these days I think survival is adaption adaptability adaption is that a word um it is it's a thing you know and you just like let's go to New Zealand and then let's go back and then let's drop this job and it's really cool I don't, how do you do that oh, it's kind of funny because I'm I'm definitely like I'm definitely a planner like I definitely and I think about risks like I don't really take risks as a person like if I'm snowboarding and I you know see a jump and I think about what I want to do but I'm not 100% sure I can like land it perfectly and like not hurt myself I'm not going to do it like I don't take risks I like to you know calculate things and think about things then I'm also like pretty spontaneous I'll be like you know fuck it like what's the worst that could happen let's go to New Zealand like I've got enough coin this will be fine um and um, but yeah, I think like part of it is, you know, like I grew up in a pretty, you know, weird, weird place. Like I grew up in foster care, so I was constantly being jumped around. Sorry, someone's messaging me. I can hear the ding, 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 dings. All right, let me, let me work You're out. You're popular, so this is why it's okay, it's, you know? It's just a meme group chat. I actually put a fire, pretty fire one in there earlier, so um, oh, no. that's my fault. Let's see. Let me just try and mute it. Um, messages, I don't know. I'm not very, very good with them. You know, we don't edit this, by the way, too. Yeah, so sorry guys, I'm just gonna. No, 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 it's just fine. I, I think it's it's life, you know. There we go, it's live. I worked out how to do something on, on a computer. So you um, learn every day. You said you learn on the job, and yeah, yeah, I do. There you go. I learn how to do it. Um, but yeah, like so, you know, getting up, and jumping, and just doing like ju- I guess throwing myself into new things is because I grew up like I don't know quite tumultuously, like moving a lot. Um, so I kind of learnt pretty young that it doesn't matter where you are, and it kind of doesn't matter what you're doing because the next day, like things could be completely different. Um, so as much as, you know, I do plan things out, like, you know, once I said that's it and quit my job, I immediately, you know, had like 50 tabs open on Google Chrome being like, all right, how, how do I set up a New Zealand bank account? And like, you know, do I need 
you know, ambulance cover and I found out that New Zealand is immediately more amazing than Australia. Like, do you know, like in New South Wales, if I get hit by a car, I still have to pay for the ambulance. But if I go to New Zealand, I get hit by a car, I don't. Yeah, and even tourists in New Zealand get a cover, yeah. don't they? Oh, Jacinda. Jacinda. I know. As Sai said at the end of his interview, <laughs> she's our mum and, and, you know, and, and, you know, I said we could become the big island and join in because we all I need think, a good mum. I think Jacinda should adopt us. Like, I mean, I'm still adoptable. I was never actually adopted. Um, you know, made a few sleepovers, but, yeah, didn't ever get in the end game. So, I mean, if she wants to adopt me, that would be great. But if she just adopts the whole country, that would be pretty sweet. But, yeah, and I like, I like throwing myself into new things. And I know I've never um, put too much, yeah, pressure, I guess, on doing things right, but just having fun and, like, learning new things, I guess. Tell me, um, you, you know, you've got, you got family around you that travelled with you. You've you got a brother, haven't you? Uh, I've got, uh, got two birth brothers and then two foster brothers who are really cool. But, yeah, no, my family, um, they took me to England once. But, yeah, no, never really, like, I guess, travelled with them too much because they took me in when I was 15. So it was kind of already already grown up. But they did go to England with me, which is pretty cool. Got to see all the Harry Potter things. Oh, wow. Very exciting. I really, I love Harry Potter. Harry Potter is very dear to my heart. So it's, it's a pretty cool phenomenon, and it's you know, for it's it's something that everyone feels connected to. And I think uh, you know, going through adoption and everything, mm. there's a character arc there that I think you'd feel very yeah. akin to. I used to read Harry Potter and think, wow, look at this! Like he's in a you know, living with a family that's really mean and really doesn't like him, but he's saving the Wizarding World. Maybe I can save the Wizarding World. So, yeah, it's pretty good for a little seven-year-old me to read along to. I did oh. live in the cupboard under the stairs once, so it was very, very apt. It was very apt. Yeah, well, you know, like, I, I, I did hear um, that there was an ABC interview done of you recently, and um, I listened to it uh, back when it ran. It was, it was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and I'd suggest the listeners, we'll put it in the show notes, you, you go and have a listen to it. But, you know, you had a fair bit of moving before you were 15, didn't you? Yeah, so I did a project recently on all the houses I lived in, which was, um, yeah, really, it was, I don't know, I didn't find it challenging. I found it actually really fun. It was kind of this, you know, I'd drive to these houses, slow down, pick up my camera, take a photo, like run off. Um, I kind of found it really cool to see, like, you know, this was a physical place. This is where I was. And, like, just thinking about how much I'd changed since then. Like, it was a really cool, like, progression of time almost that it captured. But I ended up taking photos of, um, well, there's my cat. Um, end up taking photos of um, 30-something houses because there are a bunch that I couldn't take photos of because they were refuges, which is, you know, you've got to keep those nice and hidden. But, yeah, so I ended up living in uh, 40 houses before I turned 18, um, which, yeah, I don't know. I always – I actually really enjoyed it. It sounds weird. Um, you know, Good hindsight they, by the sounds of it. I don't know. I, I took advantage of it. I had a lot of fun. I'm just going to grab my cat real quick because he's jumping on everything. I had a lot of fun with it. Um I took advantage of it, I think. Like, you know, when I was living, moving around with my mum, we had this code word um, or this code thing that, you know, if we were leaving a school or leaving a home, she'd call the school and say, you know, tell the kids that I'm picking them up and not to catch the bus, which was code for catch the bus, but don't leave anything behind because we're not coming back. Um, so what I would do then, you know, smart seven-year-old me, is I would um, go straight to the library with my new library card, order it, like, just borrow out as many books as I wanted and then leave. And I'd never come back and they'd never be able to find us. So you got a good a library. Of, I had a good library. My mum actually called me when she was going through a storage unit like five or six years ago saying, it's a lot, there's a big box of books here with different schools. 
things on them. Do you know anything about them? I was like, oh, maybe they, maybe Lloyd, like maybe my younger brother. She's like, but they're the Babysitters Club and Pony Pals. I'm like, it was definitely Lloyd. <laughs> definitely, definitely Lloyd. <laughs> so, I mean, Petersham Public School, Lewisham Public School, all you guys, I'm sorry for stealing your books, but um, it's just too easy. So it was a photographic project where you went back and photographed as much of those as possible. And what have you, like, the objective of was to, to make a record of something you probably at the time didn't have much of a chance of recording? Yeah, I always had this idea ticking in my brain. It, like, I think when I first bought my camera, it was this kind of idea. I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to go back and take photos of the houses. But, like, I'm a pretty lazy person. I don't really follow through with a lot of the things I come up with. Um, so, yeah, I never got around to doing it. But then I was asked to create something um, for this art show, and the theme was home. And I was like, oh, I'm going to smoke these bitches. I've got the best idea. And kind of thought, yeah, I'll go do it. Like, you know, now's the time to actually do something about this and see – you know, how it goes. And it was a lot of driving. Like, you know, it was kind of split into three days. I did Central Coast houses, did Sydney and like Blacktown houses, and then went up to Coffs Harbour and got those houses. Um, I did live in like parks for a while, but I couldn't be bothered going out that far. So I just omitted that one from the record. And 40 was a nice round number too. So I did, you know, play with it a little bit. But yeah, no, it was really cool to just go and like capture this. I don't know, like the houses all look, still look the same and they still had the, the memories. And like, you know, even looking at the photos now, it kind of, like, yeah, it kind of brings back those memories of being a kid there and, you know, as I was driving, like I was with my partner at the time and I was kind of saying like, oh, you know, oh, this house, there was, you know, they had this foster brother there who was a midget and he used to like whip me with sticks all the time and I couldn't punch him back because he's younger than me and he's a midget. You can't punch a midget. Um, and you're just kind of talking about all those stories that I picked up over time and it was like, a, it was a fun experience because I really enjoyed it. Like, I don't think it was challenging i thought it might have been but yeah no it was just kind of cool to see where i'd come from and this like actual linear progression of it obviously, so obviously like managed all that stuff incredibly well um and somehow <laughs> and you challenge you know you're channeling it with with your photography i mean the ability to, to take that job on at a music festival and to you know i, I don't know i always project myself because i'm i'm such a homebody and i can't imagine just hopping moving to new zealand i can't imagine you know, just going to a music concert and making friends with all these people straight away. And, you know, I, it would take me a little bit too. But, you know, you engage quickly. Um, and those pictures, clearly, you could tell that story. You could see it. It must be something in you, that the, the visual side of things, to be able to tell that story because that was taken up by a magazine. It was published. Um, and then you've continued with photography. It's been, it's been your storytelling medium. Is, is, is it always going to be a storytelling medium, do you think? I don't know, like I've already, like I'm up to my third career, I think already, you know, third career path I've followed, but there's something about photography, like, you know, I always love graphic design and that's always going to be something that's a part of me because I'm quite nerdy, I really like communication, but then I'm quite arty, so it can be really hard to find a career that marries those things together and graphic design is really perfect, so I really love graphic design and I think, you know, I've gotten quite good at it, but there's something about how I feel before, during and after shooting a wedding like, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, I'm shooting the wedding. It's like, like, I don't know. It's almost this unstoppable thing. Like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like, I you just, it's like almost pure comfort. Like, I feel so comfortable in that scenario because I know how to do it and I know how to get people to have fun and I know how to, you know, like make people feel like they're not getting their photo taken, that they're just walking with a mate who's just saying some dick jokes to them. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it that every time I shoot a wedding, like, I come home with like, you know, bruised feet and sore shoulders, but like I feel so alive. There's something in it. I don't know what it is, but, you know, maybe it's just being able to command people. and <laughs> Boss them around. 
I don't know, like, you know, sometimes I'll take a photo and you just stand there and you look at this photo, you're like, holy fuck, like, did I just take that? Like, did that moment just happen? Like, fuck, you're like, I need to get home now and, you know, fuck the reception. I need to look at this photo on my computer on a big screen because I can't believe that moment just happened. I got to take photos of it. Like, I feel, I don't know, blessed is the word, privilege maybe. Like, I feel a great, like, sense of privilege to be able to capture moments for people. And especially, you know, like, I don't know, I've always thought photos are a record. Like, and I think being a photographer is kind of like, I don't know, it sounds wanky, but like you're custodians of people's memories. Like it's a big deal, I think. Um, and I've always felt that. Like I have so much fun taking photos, but I've always felt that pure seriousness, which I think is what kind of fuels me to have like 17 backups of wedding rules and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, like there's this big seriousness of what you're doing is you're taking photos that like could live forever. Like it's a really big deal. Like in my office, actually, I'll show you my, my messy office. In my office, I have these photos on my wall. Yep. You can really see them. They're like these two okay. old ones. Oh, so I picked them up uh, in an op shop in Kangaroo Valley for like two bucks a piece. And I saw them and I was looking at them. And I couldn't work out why I was so like, I don't know, enthralled by these two photos. And, you know, I just bought them and I was looking at them in the car and I was just kind of like, I was like, I kind of worked out. I was like, these photos, like, they, you know, they're not the most perfect photos. Like one of them's quite poorly framed, honestly, but it lives forever. And now, it's you know, proof. the photographer, it's proof, you know, it? it's proof that those people were here, what they look like on that day. And I mean, the photographer probably didn't think that, you know, like those photos would live on as well as they have or be on some creep's wall in their office, but they are. <laughs> and I feel like that's what photography is. It's, you know, like I, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't really have many people taking photos of me and I don't have many photos of me as a child. I have a handful when I was like two or three. Um, I have like one from a school where I was there long enough to be there for school photos. And that's kind of like really it. I don't have a lot. So when I take photos, I feel this kind of, it's almost like this sting, but almost this, I don't know, this joy where I get to give something to people that I never got to get myself. That's you know, cool. I get to give people the proof of you are here. This is what you look like. You're surrounded by people you love. Um, and, you know, like you can look back on that for days and, like, you know, I've always been a bit disappointed. I feel like I could never become an amazing rapper because I don't have that sea of childhood photos where I look real baller to use. <laughs> so I, I feel like I want to give that to people. I want to give people, like some of the photos I've taken at kids at weddings, I'm like, fuck, if you become Kanye, use this, bro. This is pure gold. I'm going to back it up on my Dropbox for years just in case you come <laughs> back to me. Super famous and want to do something cool because, I mean, that's what childhood photos are good for, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I agree. And everything you're saying, it's, it's what drives – me and what drives Kate it's it's and and so many people we connect with it's it's what it I think you've struck the right chord for the feeling mm. of what we're doing here and this is the thing that that you're adding to people's lives this is the thing that that really feels like because I think everyone in life wants to feel like contributing in some way we all want to yeah. feel like we're an essential service and you yeah. know at right now the spotlight's on all of us and I know a lot of us are looking at ourselves and we're going how essential is my service. And I mean, weddings are on hold, um, which is, you know, kind of good for the sake of the virus and scary for the sake of the wedding industry as a bigger thing. But they're going to come back and they're going to happen and they're going to be elopements, they're going to be simpler weddings and there's going to be, none of that stuff will actually stop. And so I think what we're doing is become such an important, uh, certainly, certainly as the population grows and everyone sort of mashes up more and more, this idea that we were once together and we were once this couple and we were once here for this day and we did this thing with our family. I think that's such a beautiful thing. And you are there to make that thing 
stand for longer than the memories of those people that were there. It's it's what exactly. you do. Exactly. It's what the you quote, do. Death has beauty. Um, you know, our memories depend on a faulty camera in our mind. Like I love that line so much. I'll probably get tattooed, tattooed on me at some point because why not? But I feel like that's it. Like, you know, memories, there's a faulty camera in our mind and that's what our memories, you know, are. And it feels really cool to be able to, you know, I'm so thankful for the technology of cameras. Like, fuck, I wouldn't know how to make a camera right now. But thank goodness some people do because now we have that ability to just freeze time for a second and then it can live on for years. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, um, one of the things that bugs me is you take this picture, right, and you've got yeah. these people in it. And I always thinking, because I'm dealing with my grandfather's mess, um, yeah. God love him, um, but I'm always thinking about finding those photos in an antique store, like the one on your wall, and you don't know who yeah. it is, you don't know who they were. Have you got any thoughts and plans to how to add that information or add that, I don't want to use the word, add that value because that's a shitty term, but add that to the picture somehow that will help that person finding in a junk store in 60 years' time go, oh, my God, look at that. I mean, I used to do this thing with graphic design. So if my old boss is listening, I hope I hope you're not. You won't be. Um, <laughs> but I used to do this thing when our clients were being painful. I would watermark a 3% opacity penis on some things, just like a little, <laughs> small penis just in the That's corner, real small. That just as a just as a thing to be like, oh look, you're holding that book, but you don't know there's a watermark penis on it. Just make me feel good about how annoying the client was. So maybe I could do something like that. But I almost think it doesn't, you know, matter if my seal isn't on it or you know you can't find the people. It's just a reminder, like you know, these people could be actually, they're, oh, they're probably dead. Oh, um, but you know, those people like don't have to live on forever, and you know, their stories don't have to live on forever for the photos too. Yes, you know. I think sometimes, you know, like I try and take photos where their story is, you know, like shoot wider, get the whole thing, like, you know, kids chucking a tantrum as, you know, the couple are having their first kiss, like that sort of thing, like I guess captures the story enough. Like it doesn't have to be traced back to me or the people, um, I guess. I know, you know, I know. Could, I'm not so like, concerned about you. <laughs> Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. I don't mean to make it sound that way. I, I'm, I want that picture story to be broader. And I think I kind of want it all. I don't know how to do it. I, I kind of yeah. imagine audio recordings embedded in raw files. I imagine people using yeah. metadata properly and keywords and captions. You know, I imagine all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know whether it's a reality or not, but I, I just like the idea that we can, we're in an age of technology. I mean, there, there was technology back then. Turn the bloody print yeah. over, get a pen and write on the back. You know? Actually, it could be written on the back. I don't think I've ever checked. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it could be that. It could be that. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, that's the thing too. Like we're at, we're in a pretty new place with photography. Like I've been doing a lot of GIFs, like animated photos. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's been really cool, like, you know, just burst mode, slapping them together in Photoshop. And, you know, there's this one I did recently where, like, it's my favourite photo, even though it's not a photo anymore, because in it, like, you see – you see his smile as he sees her. You can see like his chest rising. Like there's something beautiful about the like breathlessness of this guy looking at his bride as they lay on the grass um, that, I don't know, just makes my heart beat a little harder. And I think that's kind of what we want to do. And maybe, you know, we can find new technology to, you know, be able to do that, to be able to make people's hearts feel, you know, a bit warmer when they see photos. And yeah, it could be cool. Like I'm really keen to see what some people come up with. You know, animated gifts are pretty hot right now. Um, I've been using one of my old film cameras to do that, like the Nishika. Yep. It takes like four photos yep. of the one yep. moment though and it's yep. this really cool way of kind of capturing more of the scene. It, like it really, like you look at it and you're like, this is a still moment but it's moving and that's, I really like that. Like, that see, I can fun. say you're, you're getting challenged by the desire to 
to want yeah. to put more into a picture. Have you muddled with video at all? Yeah, I actually did a bit of video back in the day, but now our cameras are a bit too heavy and I've got the upper body strength of a toddler, so it's not for me. <laughs> Where um, did that come but, from? With, surely holding your iPad up in bed is the, or something like that. Yeah, you know? I thought so too, but honestly, I can't do a push-up. I've never been able to do a push-up. I can tear a phone book in half, but I can't do a push-up. Okay, you can tear a phone book in half. So yeah, how can you not do a push-up if you can do that? I don't know. It's different. I mean, there's a real trick to doing the phone book. You can YouTube it. It's actually really no, easy. No, I saw Adam Savage doing it on Mythbusters. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty It's pretty easy. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm always been pretty weak in my arms. But, you know, somehow I can, like, hold a camera up. But, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, video is fun. I think, like, videographers, like, I look at videographers and the way they tell stories and I'm like, fucking hell, you're, you're insane. And I'm like, I would love to be able to do that, but there's almost this part of me that's like, oh, it's just really easy to just take the photo though, you know? Imagine all that editing so, time. I mean, I love editing. Editing's my favourite thing to do. Like, I mean, I love taking the photos, but, man, I have fun, you know, in my office with some tunes pumping, like editing those photos and making them look like what I see them to be, you know? Like, I'll, I like to shoot really dark so I can, like, bring up as much as I want. Like, you know, raw images are pretty incredible. You can do so much with them. Um, so, yeah, like, I like to play with photos a bit um, when I'm editing. And, you know, I have so much fun doing that. But, yeah, I don't think I could do video like the video guys do it. They have another brain that I look at and I'm just like, I want to touch it. I want to see how you do this. Like, yeah. but, yeah, yeah. It's almost in all. Like, there's so many videographers out there I look at. I'm like, I don't, you, you're incredible. And I the, do the next you. level is when you look at a filmmaker, like, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick and you go, okay, so you not only made this beautiful thing, but you also yeah. commanded all those people yeah. around to do the right exactly. thing and hold your vision all the way through to the big screen. Like, like there's 100%. some people magic skills, some like you're a wizard. Yeah. Exactly. Wizard, wizardry. That's it. Like I, I think like I was watching that new Wes Anderson movie trailer and I was just like, it's like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I'm seeing it, but I don't know how you're doing this, man. Like, Everyone is in the perfect spot for this to look absolutely beautiful, but then it's not perfect because that's part of it. I just, I just, yeah, I love the way there's so many people out there that, you know, have so many different ways of their brains working. And it's really cool. Like I'm just constantly in awe of, you know, so many people out there. I'm like, I don't know how you got that photo and I love it. You know, like Ollie Sampson. I'm like, I don't know how you did that, but I like it. I don't know know if Ollie actually knows how he did it. You know? Yeah, it's true. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's just magic. There's some wizards out there and it's cool being surrounded by them. And, you know, I think by – and I'm not being critical of Ollie in any way, but if you overanalyze why you – you know, how you make something, sometimes it can kind of spoil it a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and maybe it's something for retirement, you know, to sit back and go, well, how the hell do I do it? Or when you turn – like a lot of, a lot of photographers, rightly so, have become good teachers because – They've got mm-hmm. to the point in their career. And I don't know if you've seen this in the industry or not, but I think weddings are particularly challenging as you get a little bit older, as you sort of move through the age bracket of people that are getting married all the time and, and the connections and all that kind of stuff to still be that photographer on the block. So once you get past that point and you start looking for other things to do, I think that's when you start going, okay, why in the hell was I so good at that stuff? Um mm. But, you know, I think you, you, you shoot stuff other than weddings, don't you? You do um, – but it's mostly people? Yeah, I I always, like, I always try the different things. I like to put my fingers in a lot of pies. You know, I shot live music exclusively for a really long time and that was awesome. Got to, you know, take photos of, like, Ben Howard and uh, Cab for Cutie and just, like, amazing musicians, which I had a lot of fun doing. You know, I take, you know, travel photos. Like, I tried landscapes, but – I never loved it like I loved shooting the connection between two people or like, you know, a day, you know, I, yeah, I never felt that same thing that I do when I'm shooting people. Cause I feel like 
you know, a huge cool landscape. And immediately in my head, I'm like, what's missing? It's the people. Like, I want to see connection. I want to see people making out and being happy and stuff. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, it's always been my favorite thing to do. So I don't actually, you know, I think I'm pretty much shooting weddings now. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I shot families for a while, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel like I was as good at it as I was with weddings. So it kind of felt like I was almost taking something from people whose wedding, like whose families I was capturing. Cause I was like, there's people out here who could do this so much better. And yeah, I kind of, I was like, I want you to have those photos with those people. You know, I want the absolute wizards of the industry to be taking your family photos because you deserve like your family captured in the best way. And I kind of felt like there was something that made me not as great at families as, you know, weddings. I prefer, you know, the big day and, you know, the food and that sort of stuff. Yes, I'm fabulous. And it's also fabulous drama, um, you know, oh, yeah. that, that if so you can fun. ride that very carefully and you can be the, the stabling influence. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably projecting on, you know, imagining all weddings are like this. Most weddings are actually kind of wonderful and lovely. Um, mm. But there's always that element of nerves and everything like that. And, you know, you're really good with people. I think you'd be great at steering people around those situations. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with it. You know, I think that's my favorite thing about weddings isn't actually taking the photos. It's being able to hang out with people and like actually give them a bit of an experience, I think, to like, you know, have fun and yeah, take photos along the way, but, you know, give them this part of their day. I don't know. Yeah, I just really enjoy hanging out with people and getting to know their family dynamics. And I've always been really good at catching on to people's family dynamics really quickly because, you know, I was dumped at the doorstep of, you know, so many different families and I had to work out how their family operated in order to, you know, survive. So I really like kind of being back in that place in a way and being in this family that's like, oh, yeah, my parents are divorced and they haven't seen each other until this very day. And they tell me that, you know, right before the family photos. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, all right, I know how to work this. This is fine. All right, dad, no, yep, you're out of this, you know. So, yeah, I, I love the people aspect of weddings. I think that's why I feel the way I do when I shoot them is because, yeah, you get to connect with so many people and have so much fun. Like in my contract I have, you know, that I get a meal, but I also have in there that I get seated with the guests which does ensure I get a meal, but also means I get to meet some of the people who love this couple and I get to hear why they love the couple. And then I usually end up crying in the speeches too. Um, you know, I'm there with my camera, like kind of actually oh, just using so my face. And then, you know, I get to have fun with these people I've just spent an hour talking to on the dance floor. Like I really like just adore the connection of weddings. Oh, There's just something great. about that's talking great. to people. I mean, it's such a, it's such a, like you're doing, you're living the dream, um, you know. It's just wonderful. So tell me, how do you how are you finding on the Central Coast, ignoring the, ignoring what the government shutting weddings out? How are you finding bookings and that you know back past the COVID nineteen crash? Yeah, I mean, I'm still getting some inquiries. I'm still you know working with my couples about getting you know their weddings postponed. But and my favourite venue actually um, on the coast has just had to close due to coronavirus, like permanently, which has been really sad because a lot of my couples, I didn't realize how many of my couples, future couples have been, you know, booked there. So I've been trying to workshop with them, try and find them a, you know, ceremony venue that fits their vibe, which has been really fun. Like, you know, get on Google Maps and all that sort of stuff, just trying to help them, you know, make their day what they want it to be. But I, I mean, central weddings on the Central Coast are interesting. Like there's a definite, I mean, get a lot of, you know, like beach and RSL weddings, which I mean, I don't, like I don't necessarily shoot. So I don't actually shoot on the Central Coast a lot. I get a lot in Sydney, Newcastle kind of thing. Um, and the ones I do get on the Central Coast are usually the same few venues because I guess um, in my style of photography and, you know, I guess the sort of weddings I like shooting, there isn't a lot the Central Coast has to offer at the moment, but there's a few venues that have been popping up that I'm like, yeah, you are, you are a sexy venue. I'd like to shoot you. Um 
And yeah, I don't know, like it's it's a really good community up here, amazing community of Central Coast and Newcastle photographers. Like we're all pretty good pals. We hang out, we check in with each other. Um, so I think that's actually been something that's really cool that's come out of, you know, COVID-19 is like, I know we're, we're getting to hang out more as photographers. Like, you know, there's the Zoom chats and the FaceTime calls and, you know, we'll FaceTime each other and like just be working in our offices, you know, hearing the human noise they're making. Like, yeah, I know. I really do like the Central Coast for weddings. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't move. Um, you know, it's quite nice up here. We get, you know, good beaches, good forests. We kind of get a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm not too stressed given, you know, COVID-19. I mean, I've, you know, have you heard of, um, post disaster acceleration? Yeah. You heard of that? Yeah. So, you know, basically, you know, something big happens, world changing and people reevaluate what they, you know, reevaluate what they want in life. And I feel like people are going to be reevaluating what they want and that's going to mean babies and weddings. So I feel like 2021 is going to be a really busy year for a lot of us. Um, yeah, and I think so. not only the compression, yeah. yeah, not only the compression, yeah. but I think there will be that desire to 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 do some traditional things. Um, you know, I, I I think perhaps we might see smaller weddings. Um, yeah, I love smaller weddings. Yeah, where they're more focused on what it is rather than just ticking all the boxes. I, I don't know. I I imagine I I imagine I'd rather see that. Because spending, they're expensive things. And as a young person, spending a lot of money on something expensive like that is is, is tough. Uh, but that means there's a lot, there'll be a demand on a lot more smaller venues. Um, and I think yeah. that makes life more interesting, more room for more photographers. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. But I do feel completely in line with you on that. It's going to be a crazy ride once we emerge. I'm ready. Well, it's not yet. You know, we've only been locked down for a, a couple of weeks and we're all I'm ready. ready. I've been waiting. I've got so much time. I mean, I've already finished the office twice since lockdown, like lockdown has happened. I mean, what else am I going to do? But just wait, just getting ready. Parks and recreation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I might have to go on to that. I've done community as well. I'm starting to run out of shows I've already like rewatched, but we'll see. There's a few new ones. I mean, Tiger King is amazing. Tiger so. King? So good. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. Just, wow. It just kept getting crazier and crazier. Yeah. 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 Well, my good. friend, let's wrap it up. Is there anything you, like, is there anything you're thinking about that, like, I know you're not sure whether this is going to be your career going forward, but is there anything that you, you're dying to track in photography that you're really hanging out to see happen? I don't know. I think, um, Interesting question. Um, it's kind of interesting because I guess lately in a lot of the Facebook groups, you know, we've been talking about trends and how that sort of stuff happens and, you know, people saying that they know of venues who aren't booking as many weddings now and that's not just because of coronavirus and, you know, this whole thing of you have to adapt to what is current to survive and keep going. And, you know, I've always thought of that as, you know, like, yeah, keep adapting if you want this to be your career. But I've, and I think most people should and have, you know, I've built my photography business about kind of me, the person. Like I'm just, it's, I'm not just a photographer because there's so many photographers out there. Like my point of difference is, you know, me. I'm the you know, unique selling point. There's nothing, I, I mean, I can take an all right photo. A lot of people can. But, you know, I try and inject myself into my photos as much and, you know, into my copy on my website. You know, I'm a bit of a bogan and I'm a bit loud. So I use loud, weird words on my website, um, you know, to try and get couples who are like me so that I can capture their day the best way for them, you know, because, you know, there's this similar connection somehow. 
So I think I'm really looking forward to seeing maybe people shift more towards that instead of being, you know, I guess giant studios that are just photographers, seeing couples that, you know, are booking photographers not just to have their day documented but booking, you know, people. They're booking the people, you know, people they're going to spend the whole day with um, and, you know, people have that specific style. I think there's so many styles out there and so many different people doing amazing things that, like, I mean, like if I'm getting married, I'm going to have a really hard time picking a photographer because there's just so much good out there and so much I connect to. But I think I'm really looking forward to that shift of, you know, seeing people adapt to turning their businesses to being just them because, you know, that is the point of difference. That's all we've got, you know. That's we're all, all we got. Different, but we're just diff- different in all different ways and we're capturing their days differently based on our personal experiences and our past history and just the way we see life. So, yeah, it's, I'm really keen to see, you know, more people and move to that i guess oh, i think you're spot on in fact i i think if anything that that's exactly what's happened and is what continues to happen there's just nothing else uh for us all yeah. uh the business aspect is business you know you, you got to take your, your costs and your income and how many you can do and that's that's what gets at the end but in the end it's it's you and it's the people you're working with and that's that's photography and um, i'm so pleased you're making your way i'm so pleased you're doing such a great job. I love your work. Is the is the website the best place to find you uh, in the Instagram? Yeah, um, yeah, probably. So my business is idlewildcreative.co. Um, my website's still like I'm now that I've finally got time. I'm trying to like redo it, but that means like blogging, you know, because I built it probably when I first actually started. And I think since then I've found my feet more and I found my style, and I'm not too scared to actually use words that describe me and you know like be a bit more I know daring I guess with what my website looks like so I've been having a lot of fun redoing that so very thankful you know I spent you know five years as a graphic designer because that's definitely coming in handy here it looks Just great it's great yeah and so the yeah it looks great and the name is killer Idlewild oh, I just yeah. love it got it from my favorite book as a kid which actually yeah there you go I've got I've got a collection that's half my collection I collect Anne of Green Gables books so every time that's actually how I found those photos every time I go to a new place I go into the op shops there and I try and find a copy of Anne of Green Gables and I pretty much always do it was really hard when I was in Japan though they were all in Japanese which is hard to work out what was one did you buy Didn't a Japanese version I mean I tried but I just I got so overwhelmed so I just I just left it would have been great but it was the bookstores are on the same stores, like same street as all the snowboard stores. So my time was a bit <laughs> divided. But yeah, from you know, in Anne Green Gables, there's this line where she talks about you know this beautiful like white trees, and they call it Idlewild. It's beautiful, and it kind of reminded me of you know what weddings are. But I struggled so hard trying to pick a business name because you know I've got like multiple names. Like Bobby's the name I've had since I was eight, but it's not my birth name. It's not my legal name. And my last name is my birth father's name, which I don't feel much of a connection to. So it's this whole weird thing of I was like, oh, I can't name my business my name and be like real cool. So I had to come up with something different. And I thought, you know, Anna Green Gables, I would always read that book as a kid and it kind of, I felt such a huge connection to it because here she was, this crazy kid, you know, in, I guess, the foster care system, you know, meet, and she ended up meeting these amazing people who took her in and loved her. And I kind of felt like so much of a connection to her because she was, you know, pretty wild and I was a very wild child. So I felt like it kind of summed me up more, I think, and that's why I went with it. It's not the easiest to pronounce. So every time I say it to someone, they immediately have to get me to spell it. So I'm always like, just give me your phone. I'll type it in Instagram. I'm like, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I feel like it sums me up more than my actual name, which is It works is nice. two ways. Like, that works two yeah. ways. Either – People go, oh my god, it's wild idol. I don't know, and then you know that it sticks in their craw for that reason. And the other, the other thing is, yeah, it's, sure, it's a pain in the neck, 
Um, simple URLs are great, but I think the sticking and the story makes it much more valuable than you pulling some sort of a, you know, live life love. <laughs> that was actually name. taken, unfortunately. The dot com <laughs> all taken. So yeah, had to go with something a bit weird. Oh, we love it. Hey, look, thank yeah. you so much for your time. You thank are you. a goddess. You you oh. really are. And I'll put that on my Tinder bio. Thank do, you. Do do. <laughs> no, I think I think your work is amazing. I think your attitude is killer. Your story is is the best. Um, and I'm so grateful that you could give us some time to chat. And um, stay in contact. Um, people can reach you through the. Are you a Facebook person or are you? What sort of best way to get you? Uh, I'm on Facebook, but I mostly just use that for memes and being a bit of an asshole in Facebook groups. So Instagram's good. I mean, I post most of my stuff on Instagram. Um, so yeah, Instagram at okay. idlewildcreative.co. There's a lot of cat videos, so if you're really into that, I have a little thing that's just shenanigans. It's mostly my cat. Um, he's a weird dude. So well, I'll tell you that. what, I'll put all that in the show notes. Um, awesome. And, and so thanks. And, uh, hey, look, stay safe. Enjoy that Central yep. Coast lockdown. And I hope the cat gets, you know, a little bit of time to itself over the next few weeks. Yeah. I might take him for a week later. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one. So how was that Bobby Hendry interview? I love Bobby Hendry. I know. It's cool. Um. I would encourage anyone who's interested to reach out to her because she's a chatty person. Yeah, she she is. She's very generous, like she in generous. her time and thoughts, and she has some stories about that cat. You are all like, no, whatever. Who cares about? And the you cat? know, cats can get COVID. Oh, fucking shut up! You're <laughs> loving that, aren't you? This is the man who hates cats. I'm Only because I'm deeply allergic. Sorry, to them. all of you out there who loves cats. I'm I love cats. Deep, he hates I'm cats. Deeply he's allergic shit. to them. Yeah, I know you're deeply allergic, but you also just have like. You know, well, you married a cat. I am the human version of a cat. So speaking, speaking of, that, of that. Hang on, hang on. Before we do. Fuck. This is a mistake Kate has you made. Are this so is so annoying. This is a mistake Kate has made. A moment of colour this week yeah, is, oh, is yellow, right? Can you see her wearing any yellow? You tell me. You did yeah, not brief the, the art department appropriately. Have, have a look. What You've got a tiger print, I haven't have you? Tiger. And what colour are tigers? yellow but right so yeah, that'll do well, you know, and whatever. you were going to now bring up something else about tigers Growl. i was going to bring up the stupid thing we've all watched this week tiger king tiger king and he's yellow and he's a narcissist so borderline and narcissistic personality disorder is what that man suffers from sadly as does donald trump who's busy um tragically killing off half of america and um I thought it was it was a really like viciously terrible and amazing show. It was amazing, and you, we you watched really, it with our teenagers. Yeah, you really should it. watch it. You will be. Um, it's a car wreck. Watch. It's a car wreck. You shouldn't watch it. Shouldn't you? Nah, because it's crap. But we watched it because yeah. they're all just nutters. The problem, the real problems with those animals are not being dealt with by the fact that all these people are idiots, and none of them should have a platform. This guy now thinks he's King Dick because he's got all these people. And they pitched it. They cut out, apparently, I've read in the press, they cut out a whole lot of his racism so that he looked like a more sympathetic character, which is bullshit. Yeah. So now, you know, narcissistic lunatic number 347, who's getting a whole lot of fucking press and thinks he's really fantastic, and he's not. He's a monster and he should be ignored, roundly ignored, which is the worst thing you can do to a narcissist. So... However, my issue that I wanted to talk about before when you were all, no, we passed the 16-minute point, is look at me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think 
Hang on, there's a camera there. Do you know there. what? Yeah, there's a camera there, but it's not on your fucking laptop. Do you know what I think we're going to do? We're going to put a white screen with a look at Kate written on it so that you stop can, fucking looking at your you, laptop. Can you finish ranting, please? So, my thing is, what are we all doing at the moment? Watching Ozark. Right. Uh, how did I get that right? I love Ozark. If you haven't watched it, watch fucking Ozark. It's the best thing ever. But what my point is, we are as a world turning to the arts oh, for wow. comfort. That is cool. For comfort, for saviour, for soothing, for psychological relief. We are turning to the arts. Whether we turn to trash like Tiger King or um, beautiful films like Parasite. If you haven't seen Parasite, you have. Yeah, but I loved it. We are turning to art, like music. We were upstairs. You were playing. You were playing Bach, and it was just beautiful. And so, my problem is, and now I will hop up onto my high horse. I'm looking now at the time again. By the way, oh fuck you! <laughs> my problem is that whilst we have ScoMo at the moment, and ScoMo has done a relatively good job. I mean, he's no Jacinda Arden, but you know, he's doing. He's done all right. We're not fucked, like. America, America is like in big trouble. So Sweden is too, apparently. Whilst that's all fine and well, we need to remember that ScoMo closed the art department. Yes. Okay? So ScoMo is not a friend of the arts. And there is a major movement, well, there's a movement that's trying to be major around making sure that people who work in the arts get access to some sort of subsidy for their income as well. And a lot of people in the arts have really complicated income streams and the people that they work for have complicated income streams, which which means they're not eligible to get a lot of the funding that's out there at the moment. And he has zero desire to help any of us because he had zero desire to help any of us before this thing happened. And the reality is that we as a world rely on the arts now more than we ever have before and we will continue to. And if we do not put that as a priority, as a as a way that we innovate and and lift ourselves out of this, if we do not do that as a country, other countries will. And they their artists will get in on the action before our artists will. And we will turn more and more into a Bunch of dithering fuckheads who do nothing but watch The Bachelor. And that is not against The Bachelor because it's some great trash. And you know what? Sometimes we all need a bit of trash. What I'm saying is that we are all artists. We are in the artistic fields, the creative fields. And we must demand that this government take seriously the importance that that has and has been for this crisis. It has been so critical to all of our survival. And to ignore that in the face of more economic rationalism, which is coming our way in a minute when there's a fucking recession and everyone's like, ah, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstrap, blah, 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 whatever. We need to remember what we all turned to and what saved us. And it wasn't fucking economic rationalism and it wasn't trickle-down economics and it wasn't stupid people who shut down the arts department in the, in the national, federal, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, Sorry, I agree, I'm so no, I agree I'm with you. spittingly angry that, that because, being said, you know. That being said, we are still grateful we're in Australia. and Of course, the, yes, yes, the, we the love level, Australia, the, blah, blah, blah. The, the level of, of socialism that you know we have here that allowed for us to go through this and for most people to get. And as I said last week, 
Socialism and artistic importance have nothing to do with each other. This is not – it's not because you're into art or because you're an artist that therefore you're going to be poor or that you don't care about money or that you don't want money. I mean, some of the richest people in the world are rich because of art. I mean, even Jeff goddamn Bezos, who I loathe, is rich because of art. He made his money because of art. Books. It's art, right? So – all of this stuff around it not being not being financially viable or blah blah oh, no, blah. It's, it's crap. Hot, hot it hot. makes fuck ton of money. And it is the thing that we are all right now willing to spend money on. And so whilst yes, you know, weddings are being cancelled and pushed off and blah 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 blah, they will come back. They will come back with a vengeance and people are gonna have the babies and the blah blah blah. All of that, right? But what I'm saying is that the most important thing we do as a community is get together and tell the government Every level of the government, the state government, your local government, how important art has been in this process and in saving us all mentally and physically and everything else and that this is going to go on for years and we need to fight for the importance that we have in the entire world community. I'm off my horse. I'm off it. We should put a little marker in there. If you'd like to miss Kate ranting like a crazy bitch, so tune back in at minute... So your moment of colour. Oh, Jesus. You're such a – you know what? You know what? He's the guy in all the fucking meetings who's like, oh, if we could get back onto the agenda, please. There's still 24 minutes. There's still 24 minutes because it's 16 minutes before that. It's added on there. See, if you don't look at your laptop and you engage with me, your wife, who you love, it won't matter what that thing says. You're testing me, darling. <laughs> testing, <laughs> testing. One, two, three. Okay. Okay, moment of colour. Because I really like doing this. I know. It's so, so this is from the beautiful book, Cassie St. Clair's The Secret Lives of Colour. So We should get her on for a chat. Well, it's just gorgeous. I just love it. There's so many wonderful stories. And actually I was struggling to, to pull something out of the yellow. Um, there's one for you, what you here. Mean struggling? Well, there's so many stories in each one. I can't read them all. They're all cr- no, and be crazy. because that would be copyright infringement. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. There was a fabulous one I, I thought, because, you know, there's a lot of things that come under... Um, the colour yellow, like gold, for example, which, funny enough, gold is technically yellow, but it's not really a colour. It's more of an event because it's so reflective. It requires an light. Event. An event. I love I, that. I, I call it an event. This book gold is an event. But how about this? Um, in a 2014 survey, um, blonde-haired prostitutes... Yellow-haired prostitutes. Blonde and head, the non-blonde. Blonde-haired prostitutes more, earn more than any other kind. Yes. Well, would you like me to give you a feminist rant no, on no, no. blonde let's get and off, how let's men get off just that. fuck the hair colour? It's let's, not like a, the person. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting onto a real edgy feminist so, moment So let's, talk at, let's look at um, the yellow that seems to make a difference to the art world so much because, you know, before the 1700s, yellow was a really tricky colour to make. Um, really? It was. Look, early doors, um, a lot of the uh, yellow pigment came out of India. And there's this one particular pigment which I thought was interesting called Indian yellow. And this is how they make it. A small, so they, they trace back to India to this village where this particular product came from. And this, this, this um, uh, particular pigment was brought into England and used in the art society. So this is before the 1700s. So they traced it back and they found a small group of milkmen or goalas, which are Indian uh, goalas. Goalas, yes, not koalas. <laughs> um, they had a, attended a herd of ill-nourished cows. They fed on mango leaves and water. Ill-nourished. Yes, yeah. On this diet, the cows produced an extraordinary luminous 
yellow urine. Oh, no. About three quarts <laughs> per day, which the Gowalas collected in small earthen pots. Each night they boiled this down, strained it, and rolled the sediment into balls oh. that were tossed over fire and left to dry up in the sun. <laughs> And that's why everyone complained that it stunk a bit. That's horrendous. So, so let's fast forward, because there was a f- few other yellows, but I won't go through all their stories. The chrome yellow was the yellow that Vincent van Gogh used, which was, and which was incredible. did you hear that the, I was in an art shop and they said that chromium is like seriously poisonous? Yeah. And they pulled it out um, of all the colours. So so what happened was in 1762 it was discovered like as a, as a sort of mineral salt in the Barasov gold mine in Siberia, it was called crokite from the from the Greek word saffron, which is of course we know as yellow. Um, and the scientists discovered that that out of this they could bring it down to this chromium material, which is less benign. It was sorry, it's less dangerous than lead, and there was a lead yellow as well, so it was less dangerous. But they've discovered recently in, in analyzing Van Gogh's work because he pretty much used chrome yellow. It's actually darkened considerably over the years, and so what we you see mean of his painting, yeah, what we the see, actual pieces. the actual yellow has faded to dark. Oh, so not really faded, but and it's not intensified, but it's darker. So what we see of Van Gogh's work was probably more intense in the same because Van Gogh is kind of famous for the the, the daisies and the yeah, um, yeah. and all the yellow um, sunflowers and now they're all over old lady tea towels. All over old lady tea towels. It's all good artists. So <laughs> so um, that's really my moment of color. Did you like that? Beautiful moment a of A nice colour. little tight one. A huh? little bit of and, cow piss. And you know what? Well, it's also not yet cow piss. You know what the nice thing about it is? When most of the time that we spent with Bobby Hendry on the side of a volcano, she was wearing a yellow jumpsuit. She was and it was. Yassi! It was glorious. Tiger well King. Well done. Yellow well done, tigers. Honey. Well Bobby done. Hendry. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's it. You're wrapping it up, aren't We're you? We're wrapping it up. Look, look how how you you managed for 30 seconds while reading a book not to look at the fucking I didn't, laptop. I didn't, hang on. Happy anniversary. Oh, sweetheart. I love you lots. Bye. Bye. <laughs>